Well, friends, it was Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. It was Christmas Day 2021, last year. And we had just left my parents' house. My beautiful sister is here, whom I love. We had just left my, my parents' house. Yes, he has a sister right there. That's what she, what is, Since you're all talking about it, let's just go ahead. Pammy is going to love me for this because she absolutely loves the center stage. I mean, if there's a person that seeks out a spotlight, it's my sister. Uh, <laughs> Pammy, just for, be gracious to me. Would you just stand so they can see you? That's my... Yeah. One of the most beautiful, powerful, brilliant women that's walked the earth is my sister, Pamela. Anyhow, and one of the, and absolutely the best sister that's ever been one. Um, yep, it's a true story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for, she said, back at you. I'm the best sister too. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag sisters. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, so it was Christmas Day, 2021, and we had just left mom and dad's, because uh, that's what you do on Christmas. You go from house to house until you're totally exhausted. Am I right? Can somebody shout? Uh, so, uh, so we left my parents' house, and we were headed back to our house, and we had stopped by. Hello, Sister Saul Waster. You're sitting in the front. You don't usually do that. Do you have something for me? You just want to visit. You okay? All right, great. Um, um, <laughs> we had just, so, and so my wife needed to stop by the Walgreens, and uh, it's Christmas Day, and so just, a, just public service announcement so that you know, in Vancouver, if it's a holiday or if it's closed, there's one place you can go. It's the Walgreens on 164th or 2nd. Now, don't tell me which one it is. I'll never remember. I know that it's an avenue. Sometimes it's 162. Sometimes it's 164. It goes like this. I don't care. I don't remember. I just know where it is, okay? And so it's the Walgreens right there. So you got to go there. So we went to the Walgreens. I like saying the Walgreens. And if my wife was here, she'd say, stop saying the Walgreens. Um, so, uh, so we went to the Walgreens, and she, we come out, and then she starts telling me this story, which takes about the time but it, for us to get back to the alley behind our house. Now, when I say there's an alley behind our house, there's not people there with denim jackets and cigarettes. It's a, it's a, it's a different kind of, it's a nice alley, but you know. Um, you know, that's a stray catch back in the alley. Back. Uh, uh, but uh, but uh, so we're in the alley behind the house, and she's telling me the story, and I'm, and I'm standing in the alley in the, on Christmas Day, and I feel angry. And that moment, in that moment, I began, I began to feel angry, and this is, this is what happened. And this is, I'll explain more. So they're, they're, at, the, they're at the Walgreens, and, and uh, my wife is approaching the register, and uh, there's a gentleman... Uh, in front of her with a, a large basket, a whole bunch of hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise. And he looks at Lori, who has less merchandise, and he does the Christmas thing, and he says, oh, go right ahead. So she says, why, thank you very much. And she proceeds forward to the register, and the, the man with hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise walks around her and just walks out the door. Thank you for gasping. That makes me feel better. So walks right out the door. Now, if you know Mrs. Dab, she paused. <laughs> processed for a second and then justice was released <laughs> I just love her head starts looking around looking for someone to ask her blame what she says what just happened what just where's that guy going did you see that and she's you know she's the a-team or whatever you know and uh and she starts talking and so she's upset and the clerk explains yep that happens and 
And she said, we well, should call the police. And, 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 and they say, well, no, it won't do any good. The police won't even come. And that's not a, 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 a disrespect to the police. It's that, the, that it's that they can't or won't. There's nothing that can be done or whatever. The, 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 she says, and, and she's like, well, we can't go after them because that will violate company insurance policy. And if something happens, it would be on us. I mean, all kinds of things. The bottom line is this feller walked out of Walgreens with hundreds of dollars worth of stuff because he could. Because he could. It didn't matter if there were, it didn't matter if, if, if the police were going to do anything, nobody was going to do anything. So he, so he just stole because he could. And I said to my wife, and I knew the answer, but I was upset. So I said to her, now don't, <laughs> I know this is going to sound wrong. Why didn't you do that? Now don't think I meant that she should also. I was, it was a leading question, not a, not a, not a, not I wasn't. I said, why didn't you do that? Well, she said, well, of course I wouldn't do that. I said, exactly. You didn't do that because you know, you believe that stealing is wrong. And I began to stir about it. I said, stealing is wrong. It's a, and I, because I, I, I'm an, a, an accidental kind of an Old Testament uh, theologian because I have to teach the class over and over again, I keep, thinking about, I keep thinking about the law and the prophets. I keep thinking about prophets or covenant callers and the, the purpose of the prophet is to, is, to, is to talk to people and keep pointing back to God's covenant of right. This is the way. This is the way that prophets say, no, that's not the way. This is the way. And that is God's means to keep steering people back toward loyalty to his ways and to trusting obedience and I'm thinking ah this guy walked out and I thought I guess you know the truth is Lord it wouldn't matter if there was many more police he would if people don't believe if they don't believe in their heart something is right or wrong then there's just going to be further decay and I thought well Mrs. Dev has nothing but she went up to that register and she paid because it was right and that guy left because and it was and it was wrong and you think, what's the big dad? It's David. Merry Christmas. Get your joy on. Put your elf hat on. Go have some, you know, Cinnabons or whatever. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, this world needs a prophetic voice. Yes. I thought, Lord, our country, this, this city needs the voice of a prophet. And I thought, well, Lord, yeah, I'd like to volunteer, but I'm just the youngest guy from 43rd Street with blue shag carpet. It doesn't matter. I got a wonderful church, but they already agree with this. <laughs> Yet nonetheless, it's not just enough to say that this world needs a prophet. This world needs a prophetic church. Yes. Yes. This world needs a prophetic church. Our greatest light shines as we do what is right. Yes. We must be a people whose lives point to and call people toward doing what is right. Yes. You don't have to be a jerk to be a prophet. Yeah. You don't have to be mean to be a prophet. You don't have to be unkind to be holy. But apart from Right, apart from calling people to and pointing them to what is right, there will only be more decay. So therein is the origin story. I said, I'm, and I was talking to Lori about it. I said, you know why, you know why, you know why? And I tend to repeat myself like that when I'm wanting to prove a point and get all upset. I said, you know why, you know why, you know why you didn't steal? Because that's not what love does. So yes, I'm preaching to her in the alley on Christmas Day. <laughs> She already believes what I'm saying anyway. It doesn't matter. 
I said, it's because that's not what love does. Yeah. Love does not go to Walgreens and take from them. Right. We don't steal from people because we, she's oh, she's like, yeah, love doesn't steal. And then, of course, she has other things. You know, Mrs. Dav's favorite things she likes to talk about. But, uh, 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 and we've talked about them already. But uh, she says, that's right. Love doesn't do this. Love doesn't do that. I said, that's not what love does. Love for God and love for people. I said, this is the law and the, this is the, law and the prophets is love for God and love for people. And it looks like something. And today, we need to talk about this. What does love look like? Love does not steal. Yes. Yes. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15. You shall not steal. It's the imperfect in the, in the Hebrew, which uh, implies a, a, an unfinished action. So the idea, really, as we've talked about, remember we've said that these commands are Having been loved by God, this is how you love. It, 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 it does two things. It, re, it stands purely and powerfully as a statement of what is true, that theft is wrong. But it calls people that having encountered redemption, having seen the light, now live right. Yes. So you shall not. In other words, from this point forward, you will not steal. It, it recognizes that there, very merry, very, merry, there may very well have been that activity in the past or that activity surrounding them, but now those who have been brought to the light, they live what is right, and from now on, you shall not steal. This is the, so now we understand this is the same language, this is the same flow, the same current that we hear in Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing... Paul's writing to a church, people that they, they found Christ, they're in Christ, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, right? And that's, that's Ephesians 1, right? You have been sealed with the Spirit for the day of redemption, for the, 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 the praise of His glory, right? You, you, you know, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. You've been, all, all the things, right? Yeah. So you're still talking to the Ephesian church, and he says, listen, you sealed by the Spirit people, anyone who has been stealing the, the BDV version says, stop it! <laughs> the BDV says, the big dev version. <laughs> Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. Ah, so once again, the New Testament unpacks, it shows us the living, the life behind this commandment. It's not just don't steal, it's, it's, it's steal no longer, have a respect for the property of other people, take responsibility for your own life, and ultimately learn to practice generosity. This is behind, this is all that's in, it's alive, there it is, all that's alive inside this commandment, do not steal. The commandment as itself, if you want to just, just define it, it's, I don't, it's easier to define this one, I suppose, but maybe there's more to it than a simple definition. So let's pull on it a little bit. Let's pull the string. The command straightforwardly prohibits taking what belongs to another person without permission or just to another. It prohibits taking what belongs to another without permission. Ooh, those are really good words. Let's slow down and understand it. What belongs to another without their Ah, so there's two dynamics at work here for us to understand. The command, first of all, affirms the divinely established right to hold and to govern property. Yeah. It is God's idea. Yeah. Personal property is God's idea. Hallelujah. 
And that property, according to the design of God, is attached to our will. Not only is it is, is our personal property, but that we govern it with, as an extension of our own will. So then, to take property or possession without permission is to trample or to violate the free will of another. It is to show contempt for them as image bearers. It is to reject the sovereignty of God. What we understand, this this teaches us that God uh, uh, recognizes image bearers as the stewards of all that is his. And he gives, he allocates, he allows us to own what is his. So when, if I take what is yours, I'm actually disrespecting, I am showing contempt for the sovereignty of God. So it's not a matter of, ah, it's just an apple, who's going to know? They may not know. They may not miss the apple. In fact, they probably wouldn't even care. But it's not about that. As people, as a prophetic people, we say, no, I'm going to respect the property and possessions of other people out of reverence for God. And if you consider the implications, what? I know it's, it's a long way off because it's a, it's a long way off. But what if? And now I say what if, but we already should be. It should be. It's, it's an expectation. But what if this conviction, what if this virtue, this moral was pervasive? This idea of I, we fundamentally respect the sovereignty of God in such a way as we will respect the property of other people. What if, <laughs> what if you, I know it, because I, I, I can't even say the words because it's such a, so impossible to consider in this day. What if you didn't need a security code? Why do we have security codes? Well, so nobody can get on my... And take mine. What if you didn't need locks? What if there wasn't an alarm on everything? Why is there locks? And why is there alarms? And why is there security codes? And why do you got to keep upgrading them? And why do people keep getting hacked? And all this stuff is because of a fundamental rejection of the sovereignty and goodness of God. What if, now I'm not saying, throw away your security cards you know, and, and get rid of all your locks. We live in a broken world. But what if people didn't need them because of you? What if you and I, a prophetic church, lived and loved and declared in such a way that modeled and mandated this idea that we can respect other people as image bearers, that what God has allocated to them, what God has for them, we respect that. That'd be amazing. And it would translate, of course, into a sense of personal responsibility. I'm I'm responsible. I need to take care of. If God has allocated things to me, I need to be a steward of what he has allocated to me. I need to be responsible for my own life. So that, again, ultimately, 
we can be generous. And we'll see again how this plays out. But I want to just to slow down and just recognize that there are things we see then, if theft is wrong, we need to recognize that there are things that just should not be taken. Things that we should respect as belonging to others. Let's explore that. What kinds of things belong to others that we are things that we should not take? Number one, clearly, property and possessions. Okay, We respect them. It doesn't matter how much we like them. It doesn't matter how many of them we have. Well, they got two cars. I can take one. You respect the sovereignty of God. We should not take people's liberties. Not without due process, not without all the things, but you do it. we don't have the right to trample people's liberty, to take away the freedom that God has given them, yeah. is to violate the sovereignty of God. To oppress people, to enslave them, to manipulate them. Mm, that's theft. Yes. Manipulation is theft. Yeah. Yeah. We should not steal people's livelihoods. We should not steal people's honor. We should not steal people's honor. If they have achieved, if they have become, you don't, don't stand in front of them. That's why we have, we have to have copyright licenses and all these things. You don't get to take credit for other people. If God has created someone to do good works, he's created an artful image, something that God has given someone to do to be. Don't stand in front of them and take credit for that. That's stealing their honor. And we, st- and we also steal people's honor by showing them contempt, by dishonoring them. That's theft. Yeah. That wasn't yours to take. And sadly, we must repeat again, we must not steal people's innocence. We must not deprive them of their innocence through abuse Neglect. There are things that we should not steal, and there are ways that we should not steal. The first way that we should not steal is by, well, not stealing. The word, the Hebrew word is yoink. Okay, that's Homer Simpson, but <laughs> yoink. The Hebrew word is actually ganab, which I have found great delight in because I chuckled and I said, oh, look, ganab. Don't ganab stuff. Don't ganab stuff that ain't yours. Don't be ganabbing it, okay? Don't, don't just, just by, we don't, don't, don't steal by, you know, by taking, but also don't steal by trespassing. Again, I, when, I respect, when I respect what God has given you and assigned to you, then there are, there are boundaries there that I do not cross over and violate your free will. I don't trespass into your, into your life through, and try to control or try to manipulate or try to interfere. Or, listen, as Paul said a couple of weeks ago to the church of Thessalonians, remember he said, do your best to mind your business. Mind your business, okay? Stay, stay in your lane, respect other people. Do not trespass, that's theft. Another way that we should not steal is by lying. Somebody said lying. lying. You, might, you might actually pause and say, hey, wait a minute, I went through all them 10, 10 commandments and I didn't see thou shalt not fib. It's right here. Because lying is theft. When we lie, what we do is to lie is to trade something we know is false 
for something we want, which is cheating, which is, which is theft. To lie is just, I'm going, to, I'm going to present something I know is false in order to get something that I desire, whether that's honor or a possession, whether that's you know, getting something that I want from you, or even <laughs> we tend to most often lie to get out of trouble. And it's usually trouble that we've earned. Again, justice. So I'm going to lie so that I can, so that I can escape the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, justice. Lying is theft. When you lie, you trample on the free will of others. And that's that. We also should not steal through neglect. And this is where we begin to see the understanding that, gener- that the expectation of generosity alive in the, in the command that says do not steal, there is an expectation of generosity inside there. Here's how it begins to unfold. Consider Deuteronomy 22, 1 through 4. Listen. If you see your fellow Israelites, ox or sheep, straying, do not ignore it. You say, well, I'm not taking from them. I'm not violating. I'm not trespassing. No, but according to the, to the goodness of God and His expectation, when if we see so, someone that needs help or a possession of someone, someone's losing something and I don't even try to help, I become complicit in theft. Whoa. If you see a fellow Israelites, eeks, or, eeks, ox or sheep straying, do not ignore it, but be sure to take it back to its owner. If they Listen, if they do not, now, you, this sounds like it may be a provision here. If they do not live you or live near you, or if you do not know who owns it, then sweet. You've got yourself an ox. (laughs) You know people think that way. Awesome. I found this. Finders keepers. No, finders stewards. Let's try it again. If they don't live near you and you don't know who owns it, take it home with you. Take care of it as if it were your own, like you would like someone to do unto you. Take it home with you and keep it until they come looking for it. Wow. What a beautiful ethic. How much goodness is alive inside of don't steal. Do the same thing if you find their donkey or cloak or anything else they've lost. Anything, somebody loses it, take responsibility for it as if it were your own. Not like take it for yourself, but as if how you would want someone to take care of it for you, you do that. If you see your fellow Israelites, donkey or ox, fallen on the road, don't ignore it. Help the owner get it to its feet. All of this is true unless it is a puppy. <laughs> then you get to keep a puppy. Yes. <sighs> Never keep a cat. This is why I'm here. You need a scholar. (laughs) There's more. Proverbs chapter 3, 27 through 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. If you know there is good, someone it's due someone, and you withhold that, that's theft. 
when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you, when you already have it with you. Neglect. Finally, James chapter 4, verse 17, really captures the ethos of it. When James writes the New Testament church, he says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin. If you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, you are still, you're rejecting, you are disrespecting the goodness of God. That sense of what I should do because the way that it's, there's, a, there's, there's I'm, uh, I ought to, or there's obligation, it's the right thing, I'm not doing it. You have stolen by neglect. Ooh, mercy. Now, once again, let's back up and consider the implications for a just and a good society. We've already talked about trying to imagine a society where we didn't have to change our passcodes every other day, where we didn't have to have 14 locks and 17 different alarm systems all the time. But imagine, imagine a society that was governed by trust and respect. There are, I think, three things that this command prescribes to a society. Three things that make for a just and a good, uh, the fabric of, for, for, for how we should live. The first one is, of course, respect. Living with a fundamental respect for what belongs to other people. The second one, just as important, is living with a responsibility to take care of and provide for myself. And, and ultimately, to do all of this so that I'm able to be generous. All of these things are alive within this command. This command also, and, and I, so every once in a while I risk probably, we wish, well, it's not me, it's the Bible, but the Bible may risk you know, ruffling some of our political feathers, uh, our sociological ideals, but the Bible really does speak to these things. The Bible does not prescribe, it rejects a sense of entitlement. To walk, to, carry, to walk around with a sense of entitlement that everybody else owes me something is contrary to God's word. It's contrary to this command. We are not entitled to what belongs to others. The Bible fundamentally rejects this idea that, that we should create a culture of dependency that we should somehow gather resources in the hands of a few and make the many dependent upon them. No. We, should put, we, should make, we, should, we should empower people in power with all the things and make those without power dependent. No, that's not biblical. It's not good for human nature. It's not good for any society. We should respect what belongs to others. We should live with a sense of responsibility for ourselves. And ultimately, this, we don't stop there. We live with a sense of generosity where we are willing evil to even to go out of our way to take care of what does not even belong to us. Wow. When we consider the virtue, the magnitude, the, I would say the brightness of this command, once again, it reveals to us our need for a Savior. All of these commands, they affirm what is good and right. They reveal the fundamental nature of God. They assure us of the goodness of God and the way that we ought to live. All of these commands cry out, this is the way. There is a way, and this is the way. And yet, they stand 
immovable as a reminder that we have not walked that way. They remind us that we need a Savior. Because if we have broken any of these commands, we have broken them all. James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. If we've ever lied, if we've ever cheated, if, we, if we've ever stolen what belongs to others, if we've ever taken a dart and poked holes in our sister's bicycle seat and blamed somebody else, <laughs> might be good. Some, I, there's some good confession right now that's ready to come out. If we ever found our dad's checkbook as a little boy and thought, sweet, and took one check out and wrote a big, huge number on it and hid it under our bed for a long time, hoping we could cash it someday, and ignored your dad when he said, where'd my check go? And he's a banker, so he knows where the checks are. Any of you feeling the conviction of the Lord yet? <laughs> Or just feeling sorry for my family. <laughs> if we've ever harbored impure thoughts or hatred toward another person, we need a Savior. Jesus locates all of these commands as matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. They all begin in the heart. Listen to what Jesus says. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony. He literally is locating all of the moral and ethical commands in the Decalogue right here as a matter of the human heart. And if they are a matter of the human heart, then they'll never be really solved without a Savior. But we have one. We have a Savior. For even though Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and Romans 6 tells us that the wages of sin is death, Romans 10.13 tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes. And that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. We have a Savior. And if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The good news is we have a Savior. And not only does He save us, we aren't just forgiven. When He saves us, He leads us into righteousness. The grace of God doesn't just cancel our sin. It creates in us, it renews in us a pure and a right spirit. Listen to what Titus 2.11 says. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to everyone. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. This present age needs a prophetic church. 
while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God, which saves us and then lifts us, teaches us to be that prophetic voice so that others may see and may know what is right. To follow Jesus. Can we stand together? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Decided to follow Jesus, would you sing it out loud? thank you that we have a savior we thank you that you have saved us and we ask you lord to lead us to anoint us with your spirit to be your prophetic church to live and to do what is right this we pray in christ's name somebody said amen amen, amen. hey find your kids make room for other folks be kind to someone on your way out today